Welcome to season four of the Hope Warrior Project podcast, where we are ditching the mindset of powerlessness. Our guests have let go of the belief that life is happening to them and have chosen to see that life is actually happening for them. If you want to get inspired and empowered in your own life, these are the stories you want to hear. Hey, friends. Before we get into the episode, I want to invite you to think about an area of your life where you feel stuck. Whatever that is for you, I know that this episode will give you some great ideas on how to get started on getting unstuck, but if you really want to dive deep and you're ready to figure this thing out as soon as possible with the support of an amazing community, I have great news. September 7th, we're starting the next Hope Warrior Project Academy. In this virtual workshop, we will go through a process together of examining our beliefs and behaviors that may be keeping us stuck. And for four weeks, we'll do the reflective work to claim our power to make lasting change. To learn more, go to www.hopewarriorproject.com and click on Hope Warrior Academy. Paul Fortune was born with cerebral palsy so severe that the doctors predicted that he would never be able to walk. Lucky for him, he was blessed with a mom who saw past other people's limiting beliefs, and not only did she find doctors that worked with him to help him to walk, but she encouraged him to set goals for himself and to never give up. Despite what many doctors said, he was able to walk with a limp and was holding his arm differently. In school, he experienced bullying, and in hopes of distracting himself, Paul set a huge goal of making the varsity baseball team. He focused on his goal and put in the work, and people started to notice. Kids started to cheer him on, and he built meaningful relationships. Listen to Stephanie interview Paul and how he was able to shift from a powerless mentality with being picked on in school for being different to one that made him get noticed for his hard work and dedication. I will check back in with you in a bit so that we can dive deeper into some of the lessons in Paul's story. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Paul, thank you for being here. I am so happy to have you on the show today. You know, I remember when Lydia and I first spoke with you to learn more about your story. We left that call feeling pumped and like we could just take on the world. Uh, So we were really inspired by it. And I think just knowing your backstory made it just that much more meaningful to us. So I just can't wait for others to hear your story as well. Well, thank you so much. I felt the same way. I felt good energy after we we had our first conversation. So I was really looking forward to this interview for us to really dive into it. So to just start off, um, kind of set a foundation, maybe for anyone that doesn't really understand, you know, what cerebral palsy is, can you explain that? And then how does, you know, how does it generally affect individuals versus how it affected you? Yeah. So cerebral palsy generally happens at birth at labor it's lack of oxygen to the brain at labor and as a result of this lack of oxygen to the brain at labor it leads one side of the body paralyzed generally it's the right side of the body and this does not go away this is permanent and it can affect your speech um like i said it can affect your your limbs and um it it it's pretty bad it can be very severe it's there's different severities to it uh depending on how much oxygen you lost at birth it, 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 it depends on how bad your cerebral palsy is going to be. Okay. All right. And so for you, I mean, you know, in the intro, we heard that, you know, the doctors thought that you were never going to be able to walk. So yours initially must have been sounded pretty severe, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. When I was an infant, when I was born, um, I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And naturally, my mother was concerned about that. And she took me to the doctors for testing. And that's when they diagnosed me with cerebral palsy. And, you know, I'm an infant, so they really don't know much about it. So they're like, uh, and this is 1980. And they're like, this is pretty bad. Uh, and um, at the time, they thought, yeah, he's not going to be able to walk. And it would be a good idea when he got to a certain age, when I got to a certain age that to put me in a wheelchair so I could get used to being in a wheelchair. Um, that was the diagnosis from uh, a couple uh, doctors, actually, that, that they thought that was going to be the way. Thank goodness for a great mom. She didn't give up. She got three, four, five, found a physician that said, you know what? We can help this kid. We can help him. And that's when I started uh, intense physical therapy six days a week. Um, and it was a, a, a huge feat. I mean, I was told I was never going to be able to walk and I was able to walk. I don't really remember that much, but obviously that was great. But I do remember being put into soccer around five or six. And at the time, I probably could run probably about, uh, I don't know, 50 to 100 yards. That's probably about it. And, and all, obviously the other kids can run laps around the soccer field and actually play soccer. And um, this kind of really molded my life. I remember this, um, going to my mom and saying, this is ridiculous. I don't want to play soccer. I can, I'm standing there and these kids are playing soccer around me. I'm making a fool of myself. And remember what my mom said to me, and, I, and I, I still hold it true today. She said, Paul, if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's fine but you need to honor your commitments. You need to finish out the soccer season. And after soccer season, if you don't want to play soccer anymore, that's your prerogative. So that really molded me on, on the, the person I am today, that, that, that conversation, just, you know, honoring your commitments. Obviously it was a significant help in your life. So that's wonderful. You know, that she did that for you. Um, and I love that about honoring your commitment because it's really about not, not giving up. I mean, like, and, and if, you know, like she said, if you decide you don't want to after that, okay, but give it a try, honor your commitment, don't give up. And that goes back to, you know, what she was telling you, don't give up on your goals. Yeah. So in the intro, we heard that, you know, as you were in school, um, you know, you would be made fun of. And I think that there are probably a lot of us that have had some sort of experience with bullying as a kid or unfortunately even as adults you know it just looks a bit different as adults um but can you talk about what that was like for you yeah absolutely so um just before that um i was at a school for uh gosh six years so I, and that was from first grade to sixth grade. And um, so they kind of grew up with me. So they kind of were used to me limping and holding my right arm differently. Um, I, I had surgery on my right foot that kind of was a game changer for me. I remember when I went to that school in my first grade, I just had surgery on my right foot to tighten up the tendon to give me a little bit more spring in my step. And I had no idea how big of a game changer this was going to be for me. Um, I went to my first day of PE, physical education. We did our stretches and the teacher said, okay, run a lap. And I'm like, here we go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards and I'm going to have to stop. And these kids are going to see that and they're going to start to tease me. But because of the surgery it was different. I was able to go past that point where I normally have to stop. And I remember seeing myself, 
Come on, Paul. You got this, bud. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And I finished the lap with the other kids. On the outside, I kept it cool. But on the inside, I was like, yes, yes, yes. The first time in my life that I fit in with the other kids, I didn't stand out. So this period of time from first grade to sixth grade, I actually had a pretty good experience. I kind of felt like the other kids. But um, things happened. Um, my parents got divorced. Um, so I moved away to a different city and I had a, started a new school in seventh grade, which that's just a tough age period. I mean, kids are going through hormonal changes. You're at 12 or 13 years old at the time. They're becoming teenagers. And these kids have already been going to school together for many, many years. So they already formed their cliques. So just being a new kid alone is tough to break in to that situation. But for me, I walk with a limp. I hold my right arm differently. It was even tougher for me because they didn't want to give me a shot. And then the fact that they see me limping and holding my right arm differently, they definitely didn't want to give me a shot. So yeah, they were, they were lashing out at me. They were bullying and teasing me. And, and it was extremely tough. I, I would be going to school, coming home, doing my homework, and then going to bed, crying myself to sleep because I, I, I didn't fit in with these kids. And I was like, why can't I just fit in? Why am I treated this way? It was it's just awful, 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 awful feelings. And I, I think that, you, like you alluded to, I think a lot of people uh, deal with bullying, you know, across the board. And um, it's extremely tough. It is extremely tough because, we, you know, as a kid, you really don't, you know, now I, I'm okay with standing out and being weird and, and being who I am. But at 12 or 13 years old, it's very hard to step into your unique abilities. It's very, very tough. You don't want to do that. You want to fit in. You just want to be in that little box with everybody else and just be able to just go to school, go to lunch and, and, and just blend in. But I wasn't doing it. I, I wasn't blending in and they were constantly beating me for, for, for being different. And on top of that, my eighth grade year, right when I got into eighth grade, um, my mom raised me Catholic. So she wanted me to go to Catholic high school. Um, and I had to take a test to see where they were going to put me academically. Well, I must have bombed the thing because when I met with the principal and my mom, the principal says to me and my mom that we're going to put Paul at the lowest level possible. And I don't see much out of him. I don't think he's going to be college material. After one test, this principal says this to me. So wow. I'm going back to school on that Monday because I took the test on a Saturday. Now I'm being bullied and teased. And now I think I'm stupid because this principal after one test doesn't even believe in me. So it was just ext extreme stress on me all the way around. Yeah. Uh, you know, and this, the whole concept of bullying, I mean, I experienced my own degree of that, right. You know, being made fun of for certain things. And I remember you know, coming home crying, you know, why do I have to be different? Why do you know, whatever. And, it, you know, as an adult, you can look back at it differently like your perspective on it's different but you like you said when you're in the moment when you're young you just want to be accepted mm -hmm. by others and when you feel like you're not it just makes you feel like left out you know you're kind of over by yourself and it's just a, it is a horrible feeling um and that's something you know I don't have children but you know I always said if I had children that would be something I would definitely talk to them about is you know you do not make fun of others. You do not bully others. Everyone is different in some form or fashion and that is perfectly fine. So it's just, you know, it's just unfortunate that that happens, but that's a whole, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> um, 
So, so this is a hard time for you, mm-hmm. but yet you decided to set this goal of going out for the varsity baseball team, which I mean, at first you're like, what? Here you are in this situation where kids are making fun of you. Um, and then, you know, you still like are having, you know, like I think you were still running with a limp um, at that yeah. time. Yeah. And then going out for not just baseball, but varsity baseball team. So what made you decide to set that such a big goal? You know, I was so sick of being angry and sad all the time. That were that was my go-to emotions constantly during that time period in my life. And I knew deep down those weren't my go-to emotions. So I wanted to do something that would bring me joy. So I thought, what if I set a goal for myself that would distract me from these negative noise that was hitting me all the time? And I could just focus in on the goal and just go from there. And I loved, loved, loved baseball. So I thought, what if I tried to make my varsity baseball team? So I said, okay. So I started enrolling in fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And while I was doing all this, um, coaches were, 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 were taking a liking to me. I obviously wasn't the best player on the team. I definitely was not the most athletic player on the team. But as far as efforts concerned, I was on the, on the top end of that. And they saw that. And they, one coach in particular took me aside and said, what do you want to do? And I privately told him my goal was to make that varsity baseball team. So he kind of took me under uh, his wing a little bit and we would do different practices and he'd have a a group of kids that he would also work with um, that wanted to excel in baseball. And these people happened to be going to my high school. Um, So that really helped me because I started to develop a friendship with these kids. And um, I was like you alluded to in the bio I started to develop more confidence in myself. I didn't know this at the time, but looking back, I know this happened. I had more confidence. I was holding my shoulders back, my head up. I had a different aura about me, a different energy about me. And I feel like the kids saw that, saw this new energy that I was putting out to them or felt it, whatever you want to say. And they started to send a different energy back towards me. They started rooting for me. And I started to build a bond with, uh, you know, people on the baseball team, because I've started playing with them, you know, uh, all seasons. And as a result of this new energy, my high school career, so to speak, my social life in my high school career was much, much different than my middle school to junior high. And I, I just alluded to all because of my energy shift, all because of the goal I set for myself to make the varsity baseball team. Which is a great testimony about how the way we are thinking about ourselves and feeling about ourselves, how that affects how other people think about us and, and feel about us as well. And I want to talk more about that. But when you when you first decided to do this, I think when we talked before, you mentioned that originally it wasn't necessarily about making the team, right? It was about, like you said, doing something to bring you some joy, you know, mm-hmm. to get your mind off of feeling bad, yeah. which I think is such a really important point to make because we can't wait around for others to just start treating us differently, right? Mm-hmm. If we're in a situation and we feel like, you know, we're not getting the right um, reaction from people or treated, you know, in, the, in a positive or respectful way from people, we can't just wait around and hope they're going to change, right? We have to do something and take responsibility to help ourselves to feel better, right? And it's that whole thing about like, we, we shouldn't necessarily rely on other people to make us feel better, right? It's like, we have to feel good about ourselves. Yeah. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to do, right? 
Um, but that side benefit was that you were doing things to help yourself feel better. And then others saw that they felt that, and then it changed their, like their perception of you. And you were actually doing something you loved, you know, you were helping your body, your mind. And I think you said you actually did, you made the, the varsity team. I mean, yeah, I'm happy to say I, I, I did make it. I, I made it as a junior and I made it as senior. In my senior year, I pitched a three hit shutout and the kids poured Gatorade on me and ah. I felt so great about myself. So yeah, it was great. But like, like you said, going back, you know, that's great. Uh, making the varsity baseball team looking back, I mean, it was an awesome thing, but in the end, it was the cherry on top because what, what was the real, what was the real great thing about it is because of my energy shift, I gained friendships that I never would have had if I stayed in that state that I was in middle school. And that was the, that was the meat of it. That was what really set me apart was, was my energy shift and going after something. And even if I didn't make the varsity baseball team, obviously I would be have been disappointed, but I, I would not have had any regrets because I knew I gave it 110. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's just such a wonderful example that any of us could utilize that idea for our own life. You know, what is it that brings us joy? What can we do to take our mind off of the things that are making us feel bad? Um, you know, is it taking a painting class? Is it dancing? Is it, you know, whatever, something to bring joy? And then you start feeling more confident about that. It makes you feel happy. And then other people start seeing that and feeling that as well. And then you're going to attract the right people, you know, into your life. And sometimes that means you're going to lose mm -hmm. some of the people that are in your life. Yeah. And that can be hard because sometimes those may be really close friends, family. Um, and so that there's a shift there as well that we have to accept that, yeah, we need to attract the right people into our lives. And this also, you know, this whole, you know, I guess, mindset shift that you went through and the change that you saw in yourself, that affected you in other areas of your life later on, right? Because there was other things that I think you told us before that you were starting your wanting to do, and maybe people didn't necessarily believe in you, but you did it anyway. Talk, talk about that. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so I graduate high school now and um, I really start to think about that goal that I set for myself, making the varsity baseball team and reminiscing about when I first made that goal in middle school, um, how near impossible I thought that goal was when I, when I did it. Like I said, it was just basically distract myself from where I was at in my life. Um, but I was able to do it. I was able to make the varsity baseball team. So I really started to think about what that principal said to me years earlier uh, when I took that test to get into that high school um, about not being college material. Because all through high school, I pretty much mailed it in. Because I just thought, well, let's just stay eligible to play baseball and, and, and move on because I'm not college material. Why waste time to work any harder? Just do enough to get by and move on. And that was kind of my mantra through high school. So my grades were not that great. And I thought, well, geez, I made this goal that I thought was near impossible, having cerebral palsy, making the varsity baseball team. And um, I thought, well, why don't I set another goal for myself to say that, you know what, I am college material. So I enrolled into a, a junior college because that was pretty much the only place that would accept me at the time. 
And uh, I got myself a tutor. I got myself a math tutor. I went to the math lab. I did everything necessary to increase my grade point average. And I took my barely a 2.0, probably less than 2.0, all the way to 3.5, where I was able to transfer to a four-year university where I was able to graduate and I became college material. And I so wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, see, you were wrong. I was college material. I was. But, you know, just looking back at that, um, I actually should thank her because she gave me the motivation to hit the books hard. I had her voice playing in my head over and over again in college saying that wasn't college material. And I was like, thinking to myself, I'll show you, I'll show you. I am, I am. And I don't know if I would have hit the books and I don't know if I would have got the grades that I did if I didn't have her uh, dialogue in my head playing. So in the end, I should thank her for giving me the motivation to hit college as hard as I did. Well, and it's good that you were able to use that, turn it around. Mm-hmm. Because as you're talking, I'm just thinking, you know, the power of words. You know, um, a lot of times we can give labels to people and just make assumptions about, you know, their ability to do certain things or to succeed or whatever. And that comes from a variety of, I don't know, backgrounds, biases, you know, whatever. It, who knows where it all comes from? But just in that example, I mean, who knows? What if she had originally told you, you are going to be, you're going to knock it out of the park in the college, you know, what would maybe, what would have that done for you? Could that, those words have also made you try even harder in school to where like, you didn't even have to go through this whole reset, mind reset, you know, who knows? But I think the point being words are powerful. The words we say to others, you know, how parents talk to their children, you know, these are, really impactful things and how we talk to ourselves because words even though we may not be saying them out loud we're thinking them and that can really define who we are in our minds and the effort we put into things so very very powerful words um so you have and i want to talk more about about this as well um you have a facebook group called rewrite your story. So we'll share, you know, later uh, how people can find that. But what does that mean to you, you know, based on the experiences that you've had in your life? Well, what I like to do with my clients is help them rewrite their story and take control of their lives. Take back their pen because it's their story to write and their story to write alone. All through my life, People have tried to take my pen from me and write the story they wanted to write for me. But I refuse to give up my pen because I want to write the story that I want for my life. And that's what I want for my clients. Take back your pen and write the story that you want for your life, not for anybody else, but for what you truly, truly want. And that could be as simple as be a great mom or dad, whatever that is. Write the story that you want to write for yourself. Don't let anybody else take your pen. And that, that's the mantra that, that I coach by. And that's the mantra that I live by. And that's what I had to do my whole life is take back that pen, not give up that pen. The principal tried to take that pen from me and write that story for me. The doctors tried to write that story for me. When I was in the mortgage industry, people tried to take that pen from me. It, it just went on and on. And even when I became a coach, people tried to take that pen from me. I refuse to give up my pen. And that's what I want for everybody else to take back their pen and write the story they want for their lives. Oh, I love that. 
I love that. Because I think as you're talking, I'm thinking about these people were, were writing your story out in the future, like what your story was going to be. They were trying to write it for you. And what you're saying is, no, you don't get to write my story. I'm going to write it. I'm going to rewrite it and how I want to live it. What makes sense for me? You don't get that that authority or that ability to, to write that for me. I That's love right. that. Yeah. Because, right. you know, we, we actually interviewed someone else uh, a few weeks ago and she talked about re-narrating her story. And so this was more about looking back, you know, so our, you know, in the past, our, our story is what it is, right? Yeah. You know, we don't get to go back and change reality. <laughs> yeah. And so her point was like, she got to re-narrate it, how that she interpreted the things that happened to her. And so then what you're talking about, I think is more about like, how is that future going to look? How do I get to take control and take that pen and write the story for my future and not let anyone else have that? Oh, I love that. What a nice combination of, of those two. And I love how that just kind of synced up together. So talk, and I do talk about a little bit already, but today in your life today, and this kind of the season, you know, we're talking about, you know, getting rid of this mindset of powerlessness and how we can look at life as it's happening for us, not to us. So how would you say, what's an example of how you feel life is happening for you today? Well, I think it all starts with self-care and how well you feel about yourself right this moment. I had a um, exercise that I had one of my clients do recently. I had this person write down their thoughts for the day. Anytime they had a thought, write it down. Just don't think about it. Just write it down. And the next day, we'll evaluate what your thoughts were. And we did. And he was so disappointed in himself and saw all the negative things that he was saying to himself all through the day. And he said something that really hit me to the core. He said, some of the stuff I would not even say to my worst enemy, but I'm saying to myself at 2 p.m. at lunchtime. And I'm like, yeah, and it's not right. The, and, and these are just thoughts. These are not reality. So the best thing to do is now that we know that we have these thoughts, now we're aware that we're saying these things. And once we're now aware of these thoughts, now we can correct them. Like, for instance, if you go in the mirror and say, oh, you know what? I'm getting big. I, I don't like the way I look. You could say to yourself, you know what? At lunchtime, I'm going to eat this. And then after, after work today, I'm going to go for a walk. And how good, my, how good am I going to feel after I go for that walk? You change your thought pattern um, because your, your, your mind goes to what you're thinking about. And whether you're thinking positive, where you're thinking negative, your mind goes that way. Uh, for instance, let's say you're in a negative mindset and you drive to work and you get a flat tire. You could say to yourself, I would get a flat tire. This is just my luck. I would get a flat tire. And I'd say to you, yeah, this does happen to you because you're looking for the negative. How often you buy a car and all of a sudden you drive this new car around. Now you see this car all over the place, the same car you bought. You didn't see it before, but now because you bought this car, you, you see it all over the place. Your mind's looking for it. It's the same thing with the positive. That's why I have, this is an exercise that I do for myself and that I, I preach to my clients to do is when you wake up in the morning, before you start your morning routine, I don't know what it is. Who cares what it is? Take a few minutes to think about what you're grateful for. What is going well in your life? And it could be, hey, I'm alive because I had such a crummy night before. That's okay. Focus in on that. I'm alive. I can change things. And, and slowly but surely, your mind will start to point out positive things that will happen today. You might get something on your phone saying, oh, free coffee. Up, oh, the day keeps getting better and better and better. And you build from that. And that's, 
very, very important. Now, I, I want to emphasize this. I don't want people to think that you can't be sad. You can't be angry. You can't express your feelings. We're human beings. You're entitled to feel angry. You're entitled to feel sad. You, you should be able to feel your feels. But there's going to be a time when you're angry and you're sad that you're going to say to yourself, I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be sad anymore. I'm tired of these feelings. And the easiest way to change that is to start to think about what you're grateful for, what is going well in your life right this moment. And that is the start to changing those moods. We, we hear that a lot, you know, and so there's definitely, there's truth in that, you know, practicing gratitude and, you know, and, and I know it's, it's easier said than done sometimes, yeah. right? Sometimes you're just like, Oh, I just, no, I'm not, I'm not want to think about that. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm feeling depressed, whatever. Yeah. And so it's hard work. You know, a lot, I think a lot of this is hard work. You know, there's a, a saying, and of course I will not get it hundred percent right. Um, but it's something along the lines of um, rivers and, um, oh God, something about like rivers flow where it's easiest, right? They go where it's easiest. Our thoughts tend to go where it's easiest. And if we follow what's easiest, it makes us crooked. That's what it is. Rivers go crooked because they're following the path of least resistance. We can end up in a crooked life, right? Not really following the right path because we're just taking, you know, the path of least resistance. I'm going to find that quote. I'm going to put it in the show notes because I'm butchering it. <laughs> but I think you get the point, right? We have to take control. And then that, that's hard. It's hard work. And a lot of times we don't want to do hard work. But in the end, it's going to help us. It's going to make us stronger, just like the work that you did to when you were a child, you know, six days a week going to therapy. You know, if you hadn't done that, your life would be completely different now, I'm sure. You know, the hard work that you put in training and practicing for this varsity baseball team, you know, there's the hard work is required in order to get the reward. And that is with our thoughts as well. Um, so I think we should, we have to just expect if we think it's going to be easy, then I think we're going to defeat ourselves, right? We have to think that, okay, this is going to take some work, but it's going to be so worth it to do it. It's a really, really a great reminder for myself <laughs> and for hopefully the people that are listening as well. Yeah, no question about it, but it's also, you know, giving yourself grace, giving yourself grace when you're not in a good mood and, and not put yourself down because I'm not productive today, that that I'm I'm not hitting it as hard as I normally do. Give yourself grace, give yourself your mind and body a break every now and again, and don't beat yourself up if you're not in the mood to hit work as hard as you do, whether it be in your business, whether it be, in your, uh, you know, your, even in your family life. I mean, you know, moms are powerful, powerful people and they have to do everything. And sometimes they're, they don't feel like it and they, they get guilty about not feeling like it because, you know, their, their, their kids or husband, or they, they feel like they're obligated to do it and they're mad at themselves. And I say to yourself, don't, you're a human being. And sometimes you're in a mood where it's like, you know what, I need mom time. And, and that's extremely, extremely important. I use this analogy a lot. Um, you know, when you go on an airplane, they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first before you help anybody else. And that is extremely, extremely important that you take care of yourself first before you take care of anybody else. And it's not being selfish. 
It's the only way that you're going to be able to help people to the best of your abilities. If you're not 100%, you're not going to be able to give 100% to somebody else. So it's extremely important that you take the time to get that massage, to go to on that vacation, to do the things that make you feel good. Exactly. It's just funny because we were just talking recently about this idea of like purposeful rest. You know, our bodies need rest. I mean, think about it. at night, we got to sleep. <laughs> our bodies can't just keep going 24 hours a day, 365 days. Our bodies require that rest. We require rest in just the things that we're doing. And I think when we, when we don't, we get exhausted, we get overwhelmed. And then when we absolutely have, then we feel like we can't go on and then we feel guilty. So it's about, I think, making that decision. Yes, I need rest. And it's not that I should feel bad about it. It's not being lazy. It's, this is purposeful, needed, intentional rest that I need, I deserve, and it's okay. And I should not feel guilty about that. So it's funny that you're just talking about that because we were just talked about that recently. Yeah, your body's giving you a message saying, slow it down. I, I need rest, whether it be your body, your mind, whatever. You listen to your body. Your body knows. Right, exactly. Well, this has been good. I, you know, just like when we talked to you the first time, I feel like I just feel like you're very like inspiring. I love the way you come across uh, very confident in what you're saying, which I think is so helpful to just remind us that of these things, you know, we're going to have hard times, but there are things we can do. We can pick a goal and maybe that's going to be a really bold goal that other people would look at it and say, what in the world are they doing? But it's not for them, right? It's for us. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. Never feel bad. That's the thing that, um, going back to my high school or junior high, making that goal, I was so scared to tell anybody that goal. Cause I have cerebral palsy. I'm walking with the limp. I'm running with the limp. Like people are going to laugh at me, but it wasn't until I opened up to a coach that, I, that I was able to, you know, to, to tell people that's what I wanted to do. So it's extremely important that you don't have to do things alone. There's people out there that will help you seek out those people. It could be a coach, it could be anybody, but people are there, are there to help you. I find, you know, we look at the news and everything like that, and we think, oh, everything's negative. But when you actually go out, you know, in the in the real world, so to speak, and, and, and talk to people, most people are good and they want to help you. It, it, it's, it's, it's so great. I mean, I'm in a situation, you know, the other day, you know, and I, I was running and I was clumsy and I fell. And there was like three people that came up and said, Hey, you all right. You good? This is good. And I was like, wow, I'm so touched. I don't know these people. They're strangers. And they came up to help me. And I, it just was a good reminder that there's so much good in the world. And we need to be reminded of that. There's so much good in the world. And there's so many people that are willing to help. I mean, uh, you know, going to my mom, I mean, I can't thank my mom enough for what she did for me. If, if my mom wasn't who the person she was, I would be in a wheelchair right now. My life would be totally different. I probably would not have the confidence I have now because it wasn't for my mom. My mom never allowed me to give me excuses. My mom always pushed me to, to do things, you know, the proper way to go after it. I, I, I remember um, going after wanting to be a coach. I was in the mortgage, you know, like you, I was in the corporate America for a long, long time. And, and like you, I was really good at it. But I was really, really losing the luster of it for, for many, many reasons. But 
I remember going to my mom saying, um, uh, having this idea of wanting to become a coach and, and, and everything. And she goes, how bad do you want it? I, I go, I want it really, really bad. And she says, well, then you have to do it because you don't want to live in regret. You don't want to live in regret. You, you can always go back to the mortgage industry. If things didn't work out, you can always go back. What, who cares? But what you don't want to live back is you don't want to be 60. You don't want to be 70. You don't want to be 80 looking back. Wow. What could have been? What could have been if I went for it? And um, so, uh, I, like I said, I, I, no words can't describe how, how I feel about my mom and what, what she's done for me as, as, a, as a human being. I can, I can see that. I can understand that. She sounds really like an amazing, amazing woman. So, um, and she's, so it's funny, like, I don't know her, but she's now affected me. She's affected all these people that are hearing this because she has affected your life and you are now telling us your story. So, you know, I think that's just so amazing. And one of the reasons we love doing this is because stories are powerful. We connect to them, you know, even anyone that doesn't have cerebral palsy. There's a lot of what you said today that they are connecting to. I've connected to a lot of what you've said today. And so this is what I think helps us, reminds us that other people uh, have had situations in their lives that are difficult. I have situations in my life that are difficult, but there is a path forward. And I love how you said, you know, remembering that most people are good. And we have to choose to believe that sometimes, because like you said, the in the news and the media, a lot of times we don't see that um, and we can get pretty jaded, but yeah, I, I agree. Most people do want to do the right thing. Hey, it's Lydia again. First off, I need to help Stephanie out with that quote she was referencing. <laughs> I found a few versions, but basically it is the path of least resistance leads to crooked rivers and crooked men. A huge aha moment for me was when I realized that I was taking the path of least resistance with my thoughts. I never considered that I did not have to agree with everything that pops up in my head. When I learned that I have a choice and that I could choose to resist negative thoughts and agree with thoughts that set me up for the life I desired, everything changed. The thing is, though, that this takes consistent effort. And when I'm not intentional, I can slowly drift back into old thinking patterns. I like to think of it as light versus darkness. Darkness is really just the absence of light. Light requires energy, energy to create. And therefore, if there's no energy to supply the light, the default is darkness. The same goes for our thoughts. If we are not intentional with our thoughts, the default or automatic thoughts are negative. The negative thoughts turn to negative words, actions, and behaviors, and when done enough, turn into destructive habits and lead us down a road that we never wanted to be on. So avoid autopilot, especially when it comes to your thoughts. Paul talks about a huge topic these days, which is bullying. Of course, bullying is never okay, but I've had experience with it, and I have my own perspective on what's happening when people are bullied. I had a bully in middle school, and believe it or not, I was cyberbullied in college. I've read several places that people are mirrors and that our relationships reflect what is going on inside of us. This makes sense to me. To make a long story short, I went to school for fashion design, and the whole time I felt like an imposter. When I did well, I figured I just got lucky. I thought people were born creative and gifted in these types of things, and I didn't feel like I was. So I worried a ton, 
and about being exposed that a teacher would realize that I actually didn't really know what I was doing. I carried this negative energy with me and soon enough, someone was calling me a cheater on the internet under a fake name. I had one best senior collection and there was someone out there that didn't like that. I worked so hard on that collection. Looking back now, I know I deserved it, but because I was insecure, I was not able to enjoy the accomplishment to the fullest. People will treat you how you treat yourself. Just like Paul talks about, a lot of us talk to ourselves in ways that we wouldn't even talk to our biggest enemies. Paul built up his confidence and started to treat himself better. And then the bullying stopped. And a big way that he built up that confidence in himself was by setting that huge goal. He believed in himself enough to push himself. Not only did he set the goal, but he showed up for himself over and over and over again to make his goal a reality. He held himself accountable. If you feel like people can't be trusted and you find yourself consistently being let down by others or even betrayed, it is probably because you're letting yourself down and betraying yourself. Whenever you don't follow through on a goal or do not give yourself what you need to be healthy and happy, you're betraying yourself. Something worth thinking about. Remember, people are mirrors. Look at the people around you for the lessons that they are there to teach you. Another way that we betray ourselves is by letting other people write our stories. And Paul is obviously very passionate about this. Be careful with labels. Do not accept when other people put them on you and don't put them on others. Good or bad, using labels limits us. People will label you, though. It's how our minds work. We want to understand people, so we make assumptions. Again, this is the default. If we are intentional, though, we can decide not to make assumptions and just allow people to show us who they are and who they will be. So much wisdom was in this interview, maybe one worth going back and taking some notes on. If you want more content related to this episode, make sure to follow Hope Warrior Project on social media. And to join the conversation, join our Facebook page, Encouragement During Uncertain Times. Now let's get back to Stefan Paul for how you can connect with him. So if someone really connected with this, and I feel like a lot of people have for sure, and they'd like to follow you or maybe check out your Facebook group that you mentioned, uh, where can they, where they, can they connect with you? Okay. There's, there's a couple ways. One is they can go to my website, uh, call to action.coach. And I have a free guide on there on how I was able to rewrite my, my story, how they can rewrite their story and how they can maximize their day. It's free on my website. They just go on there and, and click on and get it. And then you mentioned about my Facebook group, group rewrite your story. It's, it's a space for people to come on and tell their stories with no judgment, only support. We have free meetup groups that we, we meet up month, month, monthly. Uh, we do different interviews, but it's all to support each other and, and give you a space to share yourself without being judged. And we're only there to support you. So it's just great people getting together and supporting one another. Wow, that's awesome. And what, you know, you're showing a, a great example of that already. So, well, thank you for, for doing that. Um, I think having places like that for people to connect in with, especially in this time where, you know, we've been disconnected, I think, from people for, for quite some time, it's nice to have an opportunity to even do that virtually. So, 
So folks, check out that group. Um, go to Paul's website, get that free guide um, and see what you can apply for your own life. And um, yeah, just rewrite your story. Take the pen, rewrite your story. I love that. Thank you so much for being my guest today and talking through more of your story and sharing it with our audience. I got to tell you, I really enjoyed our conversation. I felt our energies were great. So thank you. It made me have a great day today. Awesome. If you were inspired by today's guest, be sure to save this episode so you can go back and listen to it again. Making the shift from feeling powerless to empowered is not a quick and easy thing to do. We know. But our desire is that you've gained hope and confidence that it's possible and so worth it. Now, go hit that subscribe or follow button so you don't miss the next episode. 